You're listening to episode 42 of the Curiosity Club podcast. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place to get your weekly dose of life lessons, helping you let go of fear, overwhelm and insecurities. I'm your host, Katri Barrett, and with each episode, I share my insights and practical skills for you to unlock your full potential. Live and work confidently. Be courageous. Be curious. Because life's too short to keep holding yourself back. Hello, hello. I am back today with a very special guest. I was lucky enough to sit down with transformational life coach Sophie Clyde Smith recently. Known as the modern career coach, Sophie's passion is coaching modern professionals and helping them to build authentic and fulfilling careers. Sophie has recently launched her new event series, Modern Career Women, which focuses on female empowerment and community. Now, I was lucky enough to be able to make it down to the first event, which had some really inspiring panellists, and I cannot wait for the next one, which will be in 2020. Hopefully, I will be able to see some of you there too, so do come along. Sophie gives the details later in the podcast. One of the many things I love about Sophie's approach is that she sees our careers as an element of our overall well-being and the positive or sometimes negative impact that our work can have on our overall life. Now, I asked Sophie how we can go about finding and creating a fulfilling career the best way that you can transition when you know that you want to make a change within your work, along with her top tips for working in a way that supports mental health and well-being. We dove deep into all aspects of modern careers, what makes them, what breaks them, and how you can go about building a way of working that fills you up and where you can be yourself, rather than one that depletes you and where you're having to constantly pretend to be somebody you're not, which as we all know in the Curiosity Club, can lead to burnout, can lead to dissatisfaction, can lead to a sense of feeling lost. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode and why not share it with a friend who could also do with a little bit of career inspiration at the moment. As always, rate, review and make sure that you're subscribed. And without further ado... Welcome to the Curiosity Couch, Sophie. How are you doing today? I am so good, and this is very exciting. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's lovely to have you. So I think, do a little intro of how you and I know each other. We met six or so months ago. Yeah. I think at a business networking event, so Mm -hmm. the power of networking. Um, And then you helped me launch my course, my first online course, the change course with your wonderful consultancy skills. Um, But that's, yeah, so that's how we met. And then a friendship blossomed from that it did and I think uh the, the the difference of just meeting somebody and working with them and then it turning into a friendship like that I've noticed that difference in my new career that that's happened more regularly and um in a sort of my old more corporate career you sort of meet people and then you don't you don't follow up with them but I find that in my new career I definitely have I'm making more friendships which is really nice yeah, it's always nice. I love meeting new people. I think when you're working as we do and, and you're sort of relatively new to doing like on your own as in your own business, it's so powerful to be able to meet people and then to build new uh, business relationships, also then personal mm. relationships. It, it really helps. So that, yeah, tell us a little bit more then about yourself and, and the work that you do. You mentioned a little bit there. Yeah, so a part of the business is consultancy um, and it's definitely the smaller part in terms of my, my passion and my love because th- what I really love doing is the coaching. Um, so yeah, the business is split to consultancy, helping businesses to create online courses and I specifically work with businesses or individuals whose um, message I really believe in. So people who are advocating um, generally something to do with well-being and wellness. Um, but the main part of the business is the coaching. So I am a careers coach. I am trained as a life coach as well, which I sort of I do blend into the careers coaching. And um, I'm also a business coach as well. So the work I do is my tagline is the modern career coach. Um, and I'll explain a little bit more probably later on about the, the modern part. But I work with modern professionals. So in the age range of about 23, but right up to women and, and men in their 50s 
um, and I essentially help individuals to create more fulfilling careers and under the umbrella and bracket of career falls business as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just something that I, I've been working in the recruitment and careers industry now for about 10 years. So the culmination of all my skills and expertise and interests and passions has led me to be this, this careers coach and helping people in that way. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. And I, um, So can you tell us a little bit more about that, that journey? So and your kind of career, so how long have you been a coach for and been wearing that hat? Yeah, I've been wearing that hat now for about three years. Um, but the route to the route to my current position and current setup of being self-employed, it kind of has been quite a long time in the making. Um, so when I so I did a biomedical science um, degree at uni, and I was really driven to do that because I was good at biology, good at chemistry, liked sports, and I was really interested in sort of human health and disease. I had no idea what I wanted to do that I just knew I really enjoyed all those elements and that when I searched for stuff came up as biomedical science. So I did that. And then when I graduated, I was completely lost. I just honestly had no idea. I didn't want to do any of the traditional routes um, following the degree, which is um, further study, become a doctor, pharmacolo pharmacology or pharmaceuticals um, or carry on doing um, extra education, PhD and stuff. It wasn't me, I didn't feel drawn to any of them. So I ended up literally just by chance falling into a job in recruitment because I was at Leeds University and I really wanted to stay up there with a group of friends. Um, and that was a really interesting first job. Amazing um, training and, and sales experience. But there was a disconnect there for me in terms of the, the values of the business. They seemed to be um, more focused on wanting to earn money than helping the individuals. And that was my experience. So I, um, after about nine months, I decided to move back home to Jersey, and which is where I'm originally from. And I, I, I was sort of swore to myself that I would never work in recruitment again. And then I went back and I signed up with a recruitment agency to help me find a job and I ended up interviewing for them because I had such an amazing experience with them and they showed me that there was another way, there was another way to do recruitment. So that was like a bit of a lesson actually, to not give up on an industry straight away just because of one bad experience. And I stayed with that company for the next four and a half years with a year in the middle traveling. Um, and I gained such good foundational skills that further down the line, I realized I, that was me building the foundations of being a coach. Um, so I was interviewing people day in, day out, and I was helping them to navigate their career. It was funny because I actually, part of my job was meant to be interviewing candidates, and it would be sort of 20-minute interviews that they were supposed to be, and I'd be in there for, for an hour, an hour and a half, and my boss would be like, what is going on? And I was like, sorry, I just love that. I loved that environment of the one-to-one -one sessions with them. So that was interesting in hindsight to, to notice that. But I, I got to my sort of mid-20s, uh, sort of 24, 25. And I, I had been helping people navigate their careers in financial services. And I realized, or I started to realize that I was really not connected to financial services. I wasn't passionate about it, it didn't, it didn't light me up. And what I was passionate about, and this is something I um, sort of call the your five to nine life. So you do your nine to five, you're working, but the, what are you doing in your five to nine? And that can give you some quite good indications of areas of passion and interest. And in my five to nine and on the weekends, I was loving everything to do with well-being and wellness. So um, I started to realize that okay I do actually want to transition my career I'm not happy where I am I liked the elements of the recruitment job but I wasn't happy in the industry and so I started to invest a little bit more time and energy into exploring my my passions outside of work and I I took a meditation course my first ever introduction into meditation I started like quite heavily practicing yoga I um, was going to more well-being events and I was like reading loads of books um, and everything I did in that space felt really good, felt really positive and felt amazing and the people I met, was they were really like-minded and it just 
it was reinforcing that I really loved this industry. So I started to consider, okay, I'm going to move to London because that was, I wanted to get out of Jersey and it, as well as the job, it was also the environment that I was in and that might be, that's something that I work with, with, on, with some of my clients. It's not just the job, it's also the environment that you work in. So for me at that time, living and working in Jersey was not where I wanted to be. It felt too small and claustrophobic. So I decided I wanted to move to London to, to sort of deal with that issue. But I also wanted to transition into the wellness industry. And I had all that positive feedback. And so I knew that, that it was a viable, it was something real. Um, and I did a bunch of research and I started proactively applying to um, jobs. And actually my issue at that time was I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought that I had to go back to the bottom and um, really almost start again in order to be able to transition my career. But I found a this amazing website called well to do and they share global industry news and insights about the wellness industry. So I was following it really heavily and they had this tiny little jobs board and I suddenly thought to myself, none of the jobs on here are, are right for me, but I wonder if that company needs any help. I've got my recruitment skill set and also, you know, they are the working in the wellness industry. This could be a good fit. So I reached out to the founder um, and I did that on LinkedIn. So that was a, a proactive activity. So when people are transitioning their careers, they often rely on reactive career transition activities. So they see a job advertised, they apply to it. That's a reactive process. Um, but I really encourage people to add in proactive activities. So reaching out to people, even though they're not advertising something. And I sent quite a few emails and well to do with one of the, one of the um, people that got back to me. And I interviewed with them, it was amazing. I it felt, it, I had all the feels, felt really good. And um, we went through quite a few, I flew to London because I was still living in Jersey at that point. And the interviews went amazingly. And then it went quiet for quite a few weeks. And this was in August and I was moving to London in the September. So I was like, God, I've really got to get going here. So I chased up and essentially they said, look, we're really sorry, we love you. I'd, had, I'd created the business plan, which was part of the process and they loved that, but they, they couldn't afford to take anyone on. And they, 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 they loved everything about it, but they just, they were a startup and they couldn't afford it. And I was like so devastated. This is probably one of the examples in in my life of rejection, um, and I had I had been rejected in career wise before that, but this was probably the one that hit me the hardest because I it felt so right, it just felt like it was meant to be, and then I got this no, so that really like I was devastated. But I moved to London and I needed to earn money, and so I. I made the decision that I was going to give myself six to nine months and I got a contract job. So I got a contract job as a PA to the COO of a company that invested in wellness companies. So it was in financial services, which is not where I wanted to be, but I'd never truly worked in the corporate environment before and I thought that could be quite beneficial for me to gain that experience. And they invested in wellness companies. So it was a step in the right direction, but not perfect. And I, this is something that I'm quite proud of, actually, where, and it's, I, I maintained a relationship with Well2Do, and I, because I was in London, I started going to all the events and making sure that I was visible, and I was keeping in touch with the founder quite regularly, and just being there and being enthusiastic, and I didn't take the rejection to heart, I saw it as an opportunity as, what, what could I do with them? And so I ended up proposing to them. I sort of put this proposal together and, and said that I'd love to support you on a sort of part-time basis. And that went really well and it was paid and um, it was about eight hours a week. And I did it on top of my full-time job. And um, my full-time job, as well as it just being a contract job, um, it's what you would define as a bridging job. So it wasn't taking up too much headspace. I left at 5.30, turned up at nine, I wasn't doing it to get promoted. I was just turning up, doing my job well, but then leaving. So it gave me the space to be able to do a part-time job and continue with the career transition. And yeah, that 
the freelancing for for well to do is the first example of a side hustle that I did um, it went really well and it got to the point where it went so well that I pitched to them that I wanted to go full-time um, and yeah they, they were like yes you've proven yourself we trust you you've started to uh, build some revenue for the business and so they could take me on which was amazing and so I was working in the wellness industry and I suddenly was in the right space. It wasn't the perfect job. Um, building, I, I knew that recruitment for me long term wasn't where I wanted to be, but I had a really good skill set and it was an opportunity and I was really passionate about the business. I really believed in what they were doing. So um, that, that was the compromise that I made. Um, and it was such an important step for me because suddenly I was working in the industry that I was really passionate about and I was surrounded by the types of people that whose careers I was I was really inspired by and so this is something that I, I do highlight to individuals who are looking to transition their career it's not always about finding the perfect job straight off the bat it's sometimes more important to get into the right environment and then suddenly all of your your eyes are opened numerous eyes that you have plural um <laughs> your eyes are opened to what the possibilities are in that space because the biggest challenge one of the biggest challenges people face when they're trying to transition their career is they don't know what career opportunities there are in this new space so if you take a, a step into it even if it's not the perfect job suddenly you're exposed to all the different career paths that there there are in it and so when I stepped into the wellness industry, I suddenly realized that there was this whole thing called coaching, which I'd never come across before. And my boss, um, she, who, the lady who owns Well2Do, she was actually a business coach. And she um, really showed to me that, demonstrated to me that I had building a skill set of being a coach through my recruitment experience. And so, as well as managing the jobs board, I, I said, I, I said I'm really keen to explore this coaching thing and I set up the co a coaching function for, for Well2Do and um, I launched an online course for them uh, to help the courses essentially to help people navigate their career and move it into the wellness industry and so that was the most important step probably that I've taken um, and naturally when you're when you are coaching you start to self-coach yourself and I invested in a qualification and that was again that was like turning point number two not only the psychological process of spending that much money it was like five thousand pounds spending that much money on a coaching qualification I suddenly started to take myself really seriously and I I had been coaching for you know about a year so I had gained experience as coaching people and it led me to be happy enough to invest in the in the qualification I didn't just do it off the bat um, but investing in it was like a major that I was like oh my gosh I'm taking myself seriously and then the second part was that I actually had loads of coaching so I got got through all my mindset stuff and all the fears and and self-limiting beliefs I had and through that process I realized that oh my god I want to be self-employed and um, so that was really that was really a, the biggest turning point number two big turning point number two and it led me to quit my quit the job that I really loved but I knew that I wanted to be self-employed and do the coaching full-time and um, yeah then that's pretty much led me up to today. Oh, I think there's so many things that you've sort of said there about your kind of journey and the various turning points. And I think one of the, the biggest takeaways that I think is so important, and I think for the, for the audience and everyone listening, is that you can experience so much from a role or a job, even if it isn't exactly where you want to be. And how important do you think that is for people to um, understand? Or how, and how can, it, how, can you kind of, how can people help themselves feel more comfortable with that? Mm, that's such a good question and I think it's almost a bit of a symptom of the modern world where we we want everything straight away and something that I've learned and this is with hindsight and having had two major career transitions both from recruitment into wellness and then wellness into being self-employed is that you need to play the long game and actually if you zoom out and look at things with a different perspective 
um, it's not just what is my next job going to give me, it's, it's one step of many. And so I could have easily not taken that job with Well To Do because it wasn't exactly the perfect job for me at that time. The perfect job, it doesn't exist, to be honest. But I knew it ticked a lot of the boxes and I, I, I was quite conscious of the, the passion that I had for the wellness industry. So that helped me to, to know that, okay, this is part of a wider, it's part of a wider, I hate using the word journey. <laughs> It's a, there's a bigger picture, and um, if that, you know, we have to talk about more of that individual's well-being is being affected by not being in the right job because that can have negative impacts. But if they are able to get as much out of it as they can and improve their network and develop skills that they wouldn't otherwise be developing, then I think that's really important for them to acknowledge as well. Mm, absolutely I think yes yeah, it's, it's so important I love how how you put that and it kind of leads on to one of the questions that I wanted to ask you and that's about how we're going to talk a little bit about how people kind of can transition and if they're not feeling fulfilled in their careers but what about those people who perhaps aren't in the position to be able to change change their jobs but they are feeling very dissatisfied um, and you know maybe feeling that they should be doing more career career wise or however however it's showing up um but what could what could people do and what would your kind of top tips be for someone to get more satisfaction and fulfillment out of their current working situation mm. so the first thing that I really picked up on on what you said was the the p people aren't in a position to change jobs, so they're not in a position to change. And so my, my first line of questioning for, for an individual in that situation is, why do they think that they can't change? What is it about their situation? And it, you know, this is real life, so some individuals feel quite trapped by uh, high salaries and they have a certain lifestyle or a family to support where they feel that they're not in a position to be able to change. So that would be my first question. I think it'd be important to dig into that. Um, and there's often quite a lot of self-limiting beliefs and fears around changing your career that actually if you dug into them first, you'd, you'd be able to realise that perhaps you are in a position to be able to change, but you're just too scared. So that would be the first um, line of questioning that I would explore with, with somebody. Um, but to answer your question, how to get more satisfaction within the job that you're currently in, um, if it's n not satisfying you, there's, a, there's actually a few different things that you can do. So obviously one of them is figuring out, do, do you need to change? Um, I think one of the main issues that people face in those situations is they feel really powerless and they feel like their life is not in their control. So they are being dictated to by their career and that lack of power can feel disempowering. So one of the first things that I would really recommend they do is to actually acknowledge if they have made the choice to stay where they are, that is their choice. They are in control of that and to take ownership and responsibility of, of their situation and to know that if you've made a choice to stay where you are for whatever reason, because if you've made the choice to stay where you are because you have a family to support, then that's still your choice. That's still your choice. Um, and so I'd really encourage them to feel empowered by and, and to know that it's it's theirs to, to, to hold on to. I think that the lack of control can be quite difficult for people. And then the second, the sort of second or third thing I would recommend is to, um, there's two things actually to this part. One of them is to understand, um, to do some self-discovery work and to do some, um, some self-reflection on what, what is it that is dissatisfying them and can they change anything about it? If it's something to do with your team, some something to do with your boss and um, there may be some work that you can do there on communication and managing those relationships more effectively or not allowing it to upset you so much but other things can be um that you can gain an understanding from through the self-reflection you do is understanding what would make you happier what is missing because it's really difficult to change and improve a situation if you don't know what's going wrong 
and if you don't know what is making you unhappy so that's the importance of, of reflecting um, and so do that and then see what you come out with and have a conversation with yourself around what can I change in my current environment that would make me feel better um, and one of those things can be something like I know that when I was working in recruitment for the for financial services, I was really passionate about well-being, and so I reached out to my boss and I and I because I, I I would be sharing lots of uh, well-being tips to the team, and I reached out to my boss and said, could I become the well-being champion for the office? And I took on more of a an official role, um, and it wasn't a huge additional um, commitment. It was just a, like a, a little extra thing, but that made me feel amazing. And it helped me to cope with, with my job. And um, what I would say with that is that I had made the decision to leave. And so I knew that there was an end point. And again, it comes back to that choice of, I knew I was unhappy, so I've made the choice to leave. But in the meantime, to help me cope, because I think it was about six, seven months that I stayed working whilst um, I, before I actually left. I became a well-being champion and that really helped. And so there's stuff you can do inside work. And for example, I've got a friend who, um, she's just become the environmental and sustainable manager for um, for her the division of her company. And that one requires a little bit more of her time and energy, but she's really, so she works for a charity, but she's really passionate about the environment. So she's starting to blend a little bit of that into her current job. Um, so there may be things like that that people can do and they just hadn't thought about. Um, and then the other thing is, what can you do? Again, it comes back to your five to nine. So I know that I, I work with a lot of people who aren't in a position to be able to change their job right now, but it is something that they're working on developing and, and shifting through the coaching. But they have side hustles. And side hustles, the definition of a side hustle is any um, employ any project that you do on top of a full-time job and classically more traditionally it people do say that it's uh, paid for but it doesn't have to be paid for um, so the side hustle I did in between my transition where I started freelancing for well to do the first time that was paid but I work with lots of people and they've set up blogs or Instagram pages um, they they do all sorts of things in their own time which allows them to be more authentic in their lives a lot of the issues that those people are facing when they're not happy in their current job is they're not passionate about what they're doing and their interests aren't being uh, met. So side hustles could be really beneficial and it's also uh, a really interesting bridge between you potentially exploring um, setting up your side hustle as a business. So there's a few different ideas there but I think coming back to you having the choice and making more time for you to do more of the stuff that really lights you up within your current situation. Mm, absolutely. And I think, yeah, like you said, that realising that it is all a choice. Mm. And sometimes even when it doesn't feel like it is, there is always room to take the power back from, from those situations. And, mm. and realize, no, I am choosing to be here and how can I choose to make, um, to take ownership and responsibility, like you said, of the situation. Um, and I think that that's really, really interesting kind of point and, and thing, a great thing that people could do is look at, like you, you did about uh, being the well-being um, champion, uh, champion yeah. that's the word you use. <laughs> that, yeah, what, what are you interested in? And I love that, that technique of between five and nine. Who are you then and what do you enjoy? What, mm. And how you could bring that into your current role. I think those are really, really good tips. Something so kind of I think that we all are aware aware of nowadays is that compared to generations before us, the traditional career and the way that we work has changed really dramatically, even in just the last few years. And those lines that were once really defined between kind of what we do career-wise and who we are as a person have become a lot more blurred. And as you said, you refer to yourself as the modern career coach. Can you tell us a little bit more about... Um, about this and the differences between a modern career and the more kind of old school traditional ones. Mm, yeah, so when I set up my business, I knew I wanted to do, wanted to do career coaching and I really struggled to come up with a name, but this modern thing kept coming up and showing up for me. And actually, just as a side note, what I decided to do, a lot of people struggle to name their business 
that's a real, real big uh, sticking point for some people. And what I decided to do was just my official business name is just sophieclydesmith.com, but my tagline is the Modern Career Coach. So I can change my tagline at any time, and that's a lot more flexible. Um, and that felt better for me. So that's just a little tip for anybody who doesn't want to commit to a certain name but properly. Mm-hmm. You can use your tagline. Yeah, it's the same. I've done the same, katrybarrett.com, but then the Curiosity Coach. Oh, is, did you? Is my yeah. tagline as Amazing. well. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, so what modern careers means to me actually it's twofold so modern careers means to me the number one is the the way that we work so the different styles and types of jobs that are available to us in the modern world and mostly mostly due to technology and also just due due to a change in cultural shifts and um the the way in which people work so to give you some examples i think the more traditional historical way of working especially in sort of 80s and 90s is Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, working for an organization, and it, that was quite, quite the, the set way. And also, um, you, you sort of worked for a company for many, many, many years, sometimes, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. That was quite normal. Um, but now in the modern world, because of the technology and all these amazing new um, sort of flexible options, There is a remote working, there's part-time working, flexible working, there's freelancing, there's consulting, there's been a significant rise in the volume of people that are self-employed. There's things like portfolio careers, so um, people may be more familiar with the term multi-hyphenate, which is a term coined, I think it was coined by Emma Gannon, and she wrote a book called The Multi-Hyphenate Method, which I really highly recommend to people if they're interested in the freelancing life. And essentially a multi-hyphenate method, um, multi-hyphenate career, is when you have a number of different job titles. So Emma Gannon, for example, she's a broadcaster, slash a journalist, slash podcast host, slash consultant, slash writer. She's got all of these different skills that she has and she's built a career that really helps her to, um, or helps all of her different strengths to be supported and used rather than just being sort of put into one little box, which is really common. Um, and yes, and then obviously there is still the, the, the way of working for companies Monday to Friday, nine to five. That definitely still is probably the most significant way in which people are working but all these other ones have been added in and so this modern variety that is available to people I'm really really passionate about educating people on that because if you don't know that that option is available to you you've never been exposed to it if your parents and and siblings all work in the more traditional way it's quite difficult for people to break out of that that paradigm out of that mindset and so being educated on it is really important and can be really empowering for people to know that they have options. So that's the first part of what I mean by modern careers. And the second part for me is the, this mission-driven movement uh, of people's careers. So the, the move toward, and shift towards people wanting to work for something that they believe in, in an industry that they're passionate about and towards something that makes a difference. So social impact, um, anything, anything that they really believe in. So for me, I really believe in uh, wellness, well-being, and ultimately what I do in my coaching with careers coaching, which is an angle that isn't usually associated with careers coaching, is I do it to improve people's well-being. Because I know that when you're unha- unhappy in your job and you're unfulfilled, it impacts your relationships, it impacts your mental health, it impacts your physical health, it impacts your finances because you're not working in an area where you're as being as successful as you could be. So your well-being is, is really impacted by your career. So that's how I achieve this mission-driven aspect. And that's what really drives me and the, the support that I give people is helping them to see all the different modern ways of working and look, if they want to stay working for a nine to five Monday to Friday in a corporate environment, that's that's totally okay. But at least they know that they make again. It comes back to their choice, and um, and then the yeah, the second part, just to summarise, is that fulfilment piece. So helping people to work in something that they really believe in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think I love the way that you sort of put that there about career and well-being not being uh, being so interlinked. And I think so many people kind of seem to forget. Not, not so much now, but often, especially in the more traditional ways, working a few years ago, our sort of parents' generation, you were so separate. Your in your kind of your mental health, in particular, emotional health, that fulfilment was seen as something different. It didn't apply when you get to work. But mm. we are just human. Everyone's human. We all, if we and if we're not well at home, we're not going to be well at work. And if not, if we're not well at work, we're not. It's going to impact our well-being at, at home as well. And I think looking at it as a whole is so so important and and as you were here i think uh one of my favorite topics to talk about not that it's in itself i like it's, it's stress and burnout but as a topic i think it's so important uh, to talk to it talk about it so i must talk to you about it and actually as we're recording it it is a, a national stress awareness day today as we're recording so very fitting um but why you know with modern um, kind of careers and the, everything with flexible working and all the benefits that come with that and, and technology I suppose the downside that I see and I don't know if it's the same with you is that so many more people are stressed and often that then can lead to burnout so why why do you think burnout um, is on the rise and how do you think people can build a successful career while supporting their mental health? Mm, that's such a good question. Actually, I delivered a talk um, back in September specifically on this subject, on burnout. Um, and I, I, and again, on a side note, I, I almost called myself the holistic career coach um, because of this thing to do with stress and well-being and, and how everything is impacted. So this is definitely a subject which comes up a lot for in the work that I do with it being careers. Because I think one of probably one of the, the most significant causes is of burnout um, is is re- career related. It's career related stress, um, and interestingly, burnout now is actually categorised as a separate individual disease. And there there is a group of um, symptoms that's associated with burnout. So things like um, adrenal fatigue, exhaustion, you know, feeling stressed. Um, being really tired, being ill quite a lot, having as a result of having a really um, rubbish immune system, and things it can manifest itself quite physically, like cold sores or again like being ill. Um, and so, from my, in my experience as a careers coach, I am seeing that a lot. And whilst there are quite common uh, themes in terms of the symptoms, there's actually a variety of causes, and na- the most significant cause of burnout with career related stress is overwork and people working being worked too much um and and quite often that's linked to being undervalued as well which makes it even more taxing for individuals but there is another cause of burnout which i don't think gets enough representation and this is what my talk was on um and it was actually the the, one of the biggest causes of burnout that I've seen in my job as a careers coach is people leading an inauthentic career. So careers in which they cannot truly be who they are. And um, you're like this being the plant lady. But <laughs> if you can imagine a plant that hasn't been watered for a really, really long time, it kind of goes like really droopy and it's like sad looking and it's just like exhausted and tired. And that is another form of burnout when you are constantly having to jump on the tube in the morning, put on this mask and spend two thirds of your work, your life, which is at work, being somebody that you're not or you're not. And it's not it's not always just being somebody you're not. It's also sometimes to do with not being allowed to be who you are as well, if that makes sense. I don't know if that was a bit confusing, but um, my experience of this type of burnout is where people are not working in in an area that they're that they're passionate about or that they believe in it it's quite linked to this that mission driven aspect of why I'm a modern career coach and so I see stress and burnout being a real issue for a number of different reasons but the ones that I really really work on quite deeply is yeah um, helping people to be more authentic in their career and 
build an awareness of what who they really are and helping them to both welcome more of who they are into their professional life um, or helping them to know who they are and make some changes in their career to ensure that they're building more of an authentic career, making changes, changing their career, whatever that looks like for them. Wow, I never actually thought of it like that with, and I suppose shows your expertise in the areas and everything you saw in recruitment. The fact that, yeah, how exhausting that is every day to be having to show up in a way that isn't aligned with who you are. Mm. And that being, of course, that makes so much sense. That is a huge contributing factor to why, why people end up being burnt out because of just exhaust it's such an exhausting process that must be yeah yeah and I mean when I did that stint in corporate it was I think it was about nine months and this is just a small example but I would be going to work and I would you know be going to the gym before work or or going to yoga or something and bringing in like a nice packed lunch healthy lunch and people did not get me they were like, "Oh, you got you eating healthy again?" That type of that type of chat, and I was different to them. They weren't like-minded to me, and I felt that difference. And I start, I had to sort of, I felt like I had to hide my personal interests and passions in order to conform and in order to feel like I fitted in. Because when it boils down to it, you when you're at work, a huge factor of the behaviour that you express is. Um, is driven by wanting psychological safety. So you don't want to stand out from the crowd. You don't want to be, um, you don't want individual individuals within the business to think that you're different. These are just some of the types of themes that come up and um, it's really, it's crushing. It's, it, re- it goes to your soul and it could be really soul destroying. Um, and then the flip side of that, when I joined well to do I was, I, it was the norm for people to be like really passionate about their health and, and chatting about all the, the new um, classes that they've been to and suddenly I was able to flourish and I didn't have to pretend to, to be someone that, that I wasn't. And so, so that for me is a very small example but sadly that small example that I experienced had a big impact on me but I have worked with people who for years and years and years have had to pretend to be someone they're not and slowly but surely their their natural innate beautiful joyful soul is hidden away deeper and deeper and deeper and on top of that there's all these layers of masks of things that they're pretending to be in their professional lives and they start to even think that that's who they are and that's why it's so important to do the self-reflection and coaching to to find out who you are again and you can start welcoming more of your authentic self. I know it's a bit of a coaching coaching jargon, but it, there's no other way, way for me to say it. It is just who you are authentically. Trying to welcome more of that into your, your daily career, it will do so much for your soul. It will do so much for your energy levels. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you sort of talk about that, it is so sad, I think. We're thinking of so many people that aren't being able to be themselves. Mm. And most people spend most of their time at work. And I I feel really passionately about making changes to that, as you do. And that's why we're both coaches in, in slightly different capacities. Other than kind of tapping in and up to that more kind of um, authentic self and asking asking yourself kind of what is important to you is there any other kind of tips you'd give to people to be able to help them show up or, or be able to be more authentic at work okay so yeah I think the first step is a lot of people don't know who they really they really are so it's hard to be yourself when you don't know who you are and I would really recommend um, doing some self-reflection and whether that's in like a structured environment or just, oh, okay, this is a really big one. And it actually forms one of the cornerstones of um, careers coaching and probably wider coaching is to um, know what your personal values are. And so personal values are the beliefs that you as an individual, as a unique individual, hold to be most important in your life. And they are really powerful if you know what they are because they help inform the decisions you make in your life and essentially everything that we do in in 
our, both our career, our professional life, our personal life is driven by decisions. What am I going to do and what action am I going to take? Because if you don't know what your personal values are, it's really difficult to create a life that's aligned with them. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, back when I um, made my first career transition, I realised that my personal values were personal development, um, health, love and positivity. And I, I use those, so you have two sets of personal values. One of them is related to your professional life, a set of values with relate, relate, relation to your uh, professional life. And then the other one is um, how you engage with people in your personal life. So you would have a set of values for how you interact with your loved ones, your partner, your family. Um, and there, there is a huge amount of crossover, but for example, to do with your career, you may have things like ambition and drive and motivation and impact and influence. Whereas with your personal uh, life, you may have a certain set of values which are more associated with love, communication, integrity, uh, faith, hope, uh, all those things. There's a lot of crossover, but it, there are two different distinct camps for the sets of values that you have. So when I defined what mine were, and at that time I only defined one, I didn't realise there were two different sets, I, um, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really passionate about personal development, I'm really passionate about health, I wonder if I can use my beliefs um, and use that knowledge of what I'm, I'm really, what I really believe in to help guide the, the decisions in my career transition. And it helped me to see that, okay, I'm, they were like little guiding lights. So for individuals who are feeling stressed and burnt out right now and feeling that they aren't able to be authentic, one of the best, best steps I can highly recommend that they do is to define their personal values. And, and use that information and don't just do the exercise and, and then forget about it. Like I put, um, I had a little, like a sticky thing on my phone um, and I wrote down what those personal values are because it's hard to remember them to begin with. Um, so put them places where you can see them and start thinking what actions can I take straight away that will rather than uh, be against my personal values, allow them to be supported because a lot of the time when people are in a job that they aren't happy in and they do their personal values exercise, they start to realise that, oh, okay, this is why I'm so unhappy because my boss is um, super unsupportive and doesn't care about personal development or growth or anything. Um, and you start to be able to actually realise that it's real. There's, a real. there's a real reason behind the unhappiness. Um, so yeah, doing your personal values, I think, is a really, really important step. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. It's something yeah, I bring in a lot. I harp on on the podcast quite often as well about them. So I think I completely agree. But as you mentioned, it's so important to define them and then implement them and, mm. and think of creative ways. And you've talked about a few of how you could bring them into your, your current role. Mm. With anyone or for anyone listening who... Um, is, do, does know that they want to transition or maybe is about to transition into a different career, what would be your kind of um, best bits of advice for them? Mm, okay, so there's this really magical space in careers coaching where you understand and know what your strengths are. So you can really get, um, a lot of people actually don't know what their strengths are. And I didn't know what mine were for a really long time. And it does involve again self-reflection and being able to define what they are um, or you know getting some help with, with a friend or, or a coach whatever to, to help you tease them out and so it's getting familiar with what you're really good at and that exercise on its own is like quite a confidence builder so you're like yeah actually I am really good at this this and that like, these are the things that I'm 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 good at so yeah and it's also about understanding what it is that you uh, that you really believe in, which I know is a, a theme that's come up, but it's understanding, okay, what is it that I really believe in? What are my interests? What are my passions? And coupling that, sort of overlapping it with your strengths. So do the strengths exercise, then have a think about what do I really, really believe in? And where do they intersect? And that little intersection space where you can apply your set of skills to an industry or a job or area that you really believe in, that is where success is bred. And um, individuals who are utilising their, their natural strengths and working towards something that they believe in, success and financial abundance and joy and fulfilment, that's, that's where it comes from. 
So for people who are looking to transition, that would be a first tip. Um, and it depends on what type of transition they're looking for. So people generally fall into two camps um, at this stage. It's either they've got no idea what they want to do and they don't know how to make it happen or they have a good idea of what it is they want to do but they don't know how to make it happen. So gaining clarity on which camp you fall into will help the, the people listening to understand what actions that they need to take. And so if you fall into that first camp of I don't know what I want to do and I also don't know how to do it, that strength and and um, mission sort of believing in exercise and where they intersect is a really good place to start. Um, other activities and tips that I really recommend for those people in that camp is, yeah, coming back to your five to nine, what is it that you that keeps, keeps drawing you? What is it that sort of makes you late or makes you want to leave work early? What is it that you are... Um, what is it that you are doing in your spare time that really lights you up? Um, it's also about getting an understanding of, as well as the type of job that you want to do in terms of the, you know, the actual industry, have you had to think about the different ways in which you can work? So it, it all comes down to self-reflection. Um, redefining what success means, means to you can be quite important because it's not just about climbing the corporate ladder, it's about what is it in your current career that you're not getting and how can you build that into your next career move? And so there's, I mean, there's a bunch of different stuff. I think something that we haven't really touched on is individuals' mindset at this, at this um, intersection of their life when they're on the verge of creating change in their career, but they are too scared. And so self-limiting beliefs and fears is the major block and quite often, if you can work through those fears, work through the self-limiting beliefs, suddenly you actually realise that deep down you do know what it is that you want to do, but you're, you've just been too scared. And that's something that I would really recommend the listeners do. Stop, have a think, what keeps showing up for me that I would re really love to do, but I have all these beliefs that I can't do it, or I'm not good enough, or I don't have the skills, or people like me don't get opportunities like that. So that's the, that's the sort of the three different areas that self-limiting beliefs can fall into. Skills related, so they don't have the experience. Identity related, so um, women or, um, you know, I'm too old, that type of thing. I'm too young. Um, and then the third one was, so it was, oh yeah, value related, so I'm not good enough. So gain some clarity on what those self-limiting beliefs are and actually doing that work can really help you to see what it is that you want to do. I had the exact same situation when I um, did my coaching qualification. I was having so much coaching that I suddenly worked through all these fears around being self-employed and I suddenly worked through that and realized that, oh my goodness, that's what I want to do. But I'd been blocked by those self-limiting beliefs. Um, and for people in the second camp, the camp where they have a good idea of what they want to do, but they just don't know how to make it happen, Again, I would really definitely say the mindset piece is, is really, really important. Um, quite often, it's account they need some accountability. So coming up with a bit more of an action plan and a bit more of a strategy around it. Um, and there is actually a step-by-step -step process with some common themes around the, the recommended way to transition your career. So knowing that um, can be quite helpful. And what I would say is that that can generally fall, there's a few different steps and there's so much more to, that goes into it. But the first step is self-reflection, knowing what it is that, um, knowing who you are and gaining some clarity on what it is that you want. And then the second step is taking massive action. You can't get anywhere without starting to actually take some action. So that's, like, action can be anything, going to events, meeting more people, um, I don't necessarily condone investing in a qualification straight away because I've seen a lot of people do that and then come out the end of it five grand down and it's not what they want to do. So I'm quite careful with my clients about advising them on that. Um, and you can do it in stages, for example. You know, I coached for a good solid year before I invested my money um, in that. But that's just, they're just examples of taking action. And, that, and through the process of taking that action, you can start to get positive feedback or negative feedback. Like, actually, that didn't light me up. I'm not interested in that. I'm going to shift and change direction. 
but if you're getting positive feedback you can use that information and and, and it helps to reinforce the decision making process because when it comes down to it if you're changing career there's going to be some scary parts like you're going to have to quit your job you're going to have to you're going to have to be applying for new jobs you're going to have to be chatting to people that might be a bit scary um, and so the taking action part is the scariest part for some people and then the third part of a career transition is keep adjusting keep checking in with yourself keep making sure that you are staying on track and not sort of traveling down a path that isn't isn't where you want to be and that only comes with self-reflection um, so yeah, those would be that's a very long-winded way of giving some tips, but um, I think that the, that would be where I would start for people um, considering a career transition. Oh no, I think that's brilliant, jam-packed full of tips there that people can certainly start implementing right away. I think that was so valuable everything you just said then. So we are heading now into the quick-fire questions that I ask all of my um, interviewees. And the first one is, can you tell us about a time that you have failed, and I'm doing inverted commas, air, air commas here, that you failed and what lessons you learned from it? Oh, okay, failed. Gosh, I'm not very good with quick-fire quick rounds. Um, okay, so the first one that comes up for me is when I had that first job, and I fell into recruitment, I, there was a probationary period, I think it was about six months, and I failed my probation. And I basically was in a meeting with, um, with the director, he pulled me in, he's like, you've failed your probation, and these are all the reasons why. And it was really interesting because I, uh, there were a couple of days of moping and feeling very sorry for myself, but it was probably the first time I truly properly like failed professionally at least it was my first job and I, I I again I was I was quite quite proud of the the way I reacted and um I historically actually quite enjoy getting constructive feedback constructive criticism whatever you want to call it because I I see a direct link between getting that feedback and growing and so I don't know if it's called like a growth mindset or whatever but I came out of that meeting, moped for a couple of days, and then I absolutely threw myself into being making sure that my the meeting, I think I got an extension on the probation of like two months or something, and I just threw myself into it, and I learned that I had a growth mindset, and that the best way to deal with failure is to grow and learn from it, and that stood me in quite, quite good stead, actually, especially as I've moved into growing... Um, growing the business so I've got other things I could say but I know it's a quick round so I'm not going to chat <laughs> that's too much a, that, that's a brilliant, exa- a brilliant example there because I know people live in fear of probations and it's going wrong and it shows that it's not the end of the world it doesn't mean you're going to you lose a job so you didn't lose the job did you then? You... No, no I didn't and I actually smashed I smashed it and I, they were really impressed with the work that I did um, well, one last thing I'll say about failure is actually when I set up my business I, um, start, I created this little list and I called it my rejection collection. And so every time I, I fail at something or get rejected, I add it to the list. And it's helped me to reframe how I am considering failure and rejection in my business. Um, and I almost sort of see it as a, a little awards collection. Um, and that I know that each time that, that happens, something positive comes from it. Oh, I love that so much, the rejection collection. Everyone, we need to start our list for every time we've rejected so that we <laughs> wear it like a badge of with pride. Yeah. Um, so last question. If you could go back 10 years, what advice would you give your younger self? Okay, so back 10 years, I would tell myself that um, to worry less. I wasn't like a big warrior in my early 20s, but certainly moving into my mid-20s to late, um, I started to worry a bit more so just I would say to myself to be really grateful for what you have to live in the moment um, and to know, I think the big one is to know that it will all be okay um, and I, I I was I did this what I'm about to say quite a lot anyway but um, being proactive particularly to do with your career, like I'm kind of thinking about this from a career perspective, but if you can be proactive, it can really get you far. Um, so yeah, that's, that would be my advice to my younger self. What do you mean by being proactive? Mm, so 
I didn't I didn't let things just happen. So I was I realized I was unhappy in my my job. The first times so I went I went tra I saved up. I, I worked really hard to save up, took that action, went traveling. And then the second I went back to the same job and again I realized I was unhappy and I did something about it. I didn't let myself just sort of fester and stay in that situation. I was really proactive about changing that. Um, and I think it's probably linked to my my values of uh, personal development. So being proactive, going out there, making things happen, networking um, has has paid dividends for me throughout my career. Yeah, I love that. I think I agree. It's so important rather than just sort of passively wait for life and things to happen to you, get out there and be proactive. I love that. Um, so where can the listeners find and connect with you? Um, so my website is sophieclydesmith.com. Uh, my Instagram handle is the same, just sophieclydesmith. I, I actually run a new um, event series called Modern Career Women. I did the first one in October, the next one's in March. So if they're interested in um, it's a, an event for females who are interested in connecting with other females and networking and um, being inspired to take action in their career... Then, then definitely come to that. Join my mailing list, and they'll be able to be notified of when the tickets are out for that. Wonderful! And I'm sure I shall be at that next event. I was at the first one, so we could, we'll all see you there yeah, if you come along. Hopefully. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. Yay! Thanks, Katri. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Share it with a friend who could do with a little bit of career inspiration and guidance at the moment. And I will see you next time. Stay curious. <laughs>